If you're looking for hope this morning, you need look no further than this statement in Romans chapter 5. Where sin abounded, grace did much more abound. If you want to be reassured that no matter what happens in this crazy world, your life is still going to go according to God's plan, then let your soul soak in this statement this morning, where sin abounded, grace did much more abound. If you want to be sure that wickedness and evil are never, never, never going to tip the scales so far that your life is going to be wasted and that you're going to miss the opportunity to have all that God has for you. If you want to be reassured, then focus your attention on this statement. Where sin abounded, grace did much more abound. Now, this is written in the past tense, but don't don't let that make you think that this is talking about a one-time event that happened previously. This is talking, if you read the context, is talking about the fact that when the Ten Commandments entered into the picture, man's sin became much more conspicuous than it was before. It became much more obvious to all of creation. But it's saying that even when man's sin became more exceedingly sinful than it ever had been before, more glaring, God's grace was still more overwhelming than man's sin was. God's giving us an eternal principle right here, a spiritual law that's more dependable than the law of gravity is. It's a haven of hope that guarantees that the sinfulness of man will never exhaust the resources of God's grace. Where sin abounds, grace does much more abound. Now, we know what sin is. Sin is man's rebellion against our Creator. Sin is our rejection of God's authority. Sin is our refusal to walk in God's ways. Sin is mankind saying, God, I don't need you. I'll be my own God. Thank you. Sin is our constant violation of God's commandments. Sin is our wicked nature that craves and takes what God forbids us to have. Sin is our abandonment of God's principles. Sin is our disregard for God's love and for his entire person. Sin is the blackness of my heart and of your heart that rejects everything that God wants and everything that God is. We know what sin is. It says where sin abounds, grace does much more abound. So what is grace? Grace is the remedy for man's sin. Grace is the remover of man's sin. Praise God. Grace removes the penalty of our sin. It removes the power of our sin and praise the Lord gradually and and ultimately it removes the very presence of sin. Oh, for the day when we no longer have the presence of sin. Grace 
is God's forgiveness of man's sin. Grace is God taking our vile sins upon himself so that we can be righteous. Grace is God bearing the penalty of my sins. Grace is God's infinite patience with man. Grace is God's desire to pour out his boundless blessings upon a race of people who have spit in his face. Grace is God inviting every sinner to tap into his eternal riches through Jesus Christ. Grace is God's unrestricted outpouring of his unlimited resources to undeserving people. Where sin abounds, grace does much more abound. Now I want you to notice the ratio between the two. Where sin abounds, grace does much more abound. In the Greek language, in which the New Testament was originally written, that word, much more abounds, is all one word. And the meaning of it, if you trace that Greek word and you look up the definition in the Greek definition, and in the Greek dictionary, here's what it says. It says one word, superabounds. Where grace, uh, where sin abounds, grace superabounds. Where there's a pound of sin, there's a ton of grace. Where there's a teaspoon of sin, <clears throat> let me try that again. Where there's a teaspoon of sin, I don't like it when I go into the Mickey Mouse voice. Where there's a teaspoon of sin, there's a thousand gallons of grace. Where there's an inch of sin, there's a hundred miles of grace. Where sin abounds, grace super abounds. Now in everyday life, the negative drains the positive. Where snow and ice abounds, salt eventually depletes and runs out. Where heat and humidity abounds, electricity is drained and it can run out. But not so with grace. Where sin abounds, grace always, eternally, much more abounds. It's obvious at this time in history that sin abounds on the earth. There's an anti-God, anti-Bible, anti-church, anti-Christian movement in this world and more specifically in our country. I was listening the other day, I mentioned this Wednesday night, uh, Pastor Jim Simbal is the pastor of the Brooklyn Tabernacle. I can't endorse all of his beliefs. He, uh, he, he preaches from an NIV, which I wish he didn't. But i got to tell you, the man has the touch of God on his ministry. Now, I was listening to a message that he preached. He preached just within the last week. And here's what he said. He said, you know, the night, he said, September 10th, 2001. He said, God didn't let me sleep that night. 
By the way, the Brooklyn Tabernacle is probably as the crow flies less than two miles from, from the World Trade Center. He said, God didn't let me sleep that night. He said, I, I got up and walked around. He said, I knew it was God keeping me awake. He said, I spent the entire night in prayer and I knew something was coming. And he said, at about 9 o'clock the next morning, I found out why God kept me awake the whole night before. And then he said this to his congregation. He said, I got to tell you. He said, for about the last five years, there has been, a darkness, a pain in my bones. He said, because there is an anti-God, an anti-Bible, an anti-Christ. And understand, that's a, that doesn't mean the anti-Christ like we would say. An anti-Christ spirit in America that's never been like this before. And he said, I live with the horrible anticipation that something horrible is coming. Now, that's not anything new. I'm just quoting one more man of God and a man of God that has had the tremendous touch of God on his ministry. But that's not anything new. From this pulpit, we, I've, I've said that for quite some time. There's something horrible coming that will make 9-11 look like not so bad a day. I, I, I hate to even say that. My patriotism uh, makes me say not even, you can't even say that, but I'm telling you there's something coming so horrible that makes 9-11 look like not so bad a day. I want you to listen to this prophecy from the Bible. By the way, I'm, we're not going to end on a downer here, okay? So take the trip with me. You, I believe in truth and hope and, and, and victory, but you have no right to the hope and the victory if you don't take the trip through the truth. I want you to listen to Bible prophecy, 2 Timothy chapter 3. And tell me that your mind on most of these words does not race to a headline. In the last days, perilous times shall come. For men shall be lovers of their own selves. It's all about me. Covetous. I want, I want, I want. Boasters. Look at me. Proud. Blasphemers. Disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, without natural affection. The word affection means feeling. So it's saying what you feel in your heart is not natural. Truce breakers. That means nobody keeps their word. False accusers. Incontinent. Fierce. Despisers of those that are good. Traitors. Heady. High-minded. 
Lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God. Having a form of godliness but denying the power thereof. That is basically a description of the news this past few weeks. Sin abounds. Sin abounds when how you feel is more valid than the facts. Do not be sucked in by this thing that if you feel a certain way, then we're going to go ahead and validate that. They're trying to pass a law right here in Connecticut that if you want to change from a he to a she or a she to a he, you don't even have to have the physical surgery. You can just walk in and have your birth certificate changed just based on how you feel. They're trying to pass that law here in Connecticut. Do you, let, let's talk, let's just talk culturally for a second. Do you not see where that takes us as a, as a nation? Do you not see what kind of a nation your children and your grandchildren are going to be living in as we go down this path? On a humorous side, although not unrealistic, what happens if I, as a 48-year-old, suddenly feel that I'm 65? Can I, can I collect Social Security? Can I collect... Can I be on Medicare? But on the you-know-it's-coming side, what happens if I feel like a horse? I'm telling you, hey, do you know there's, there's uh, this, you're going to say I'm out of my mind, research this. Do you know that, and I think it's in Canada where they've actually, this has actually become a matter of law, or at least they're fighting for it to be. That if somebody gets in their head that, you know, I was born, uh, I, was, I, was, I was destined to be disabled. And I, I was destined to be without a left arm. And I will not feel complete until I'm missing my left arm. And somebody becomes obsessed with that. They're actually fighting for insurance to pay for your arm to be removed and then for you to collect disability. Now, if you think, you, say, you, you made that up, Pastor. Exam, check it out. Where what we feel, we're allowed for that to define us. Instead of the facts. Now, that's the cultural side of it. Let's look at the, the side of it that affects God. You can't shake your fist in God's face any more openly than to say, I know that you made me a she, but I'm just deciding I'm a he. And when the legislature confirms that, then our whole society has shaken its fist in God's face. 
Sin abounds. Marriage has become a joke. We have a large number of people that don't even fool with marriage anymore. It's just we're going to live together until we get sick of each other. Then we're going to live with somebody else. That's a shaking of our fists in God's face. And, you know, you go back and watch the wholesome uh, movies from the 50s and the 60s. Uh, they were already pushing for that. You won't find about uh, uh, gay marriage in the, in the 60s, but you'll find, hey, just open love and, and free love. From there, we went to the deadly poison of divorce. And now divorce is just, I mean, nobody even considers that a problem. Can I point something out to you that nobody in the news will touch? Whether you want to talk about the messed up kid, and by the way, their crime is squarely on their own head. They are, they are responsible for their actions. But there's something that leads to this kind of insanity. Would you want to talk about the Lanza kid from Newtown? Or this, this punk from, Al- from, from uh, South Carolina? Parents divorced. Our president stands up and first thing he does practically is blame guns. But nobody says a word about the fact that this kid, who is 100% responsible for his actions, make no mistake about that. But if we, by the way, to blame it on guns is saying he's not responsible for his actions. But what, what led to that kind of unstable thinking? The parents are divorced. Go, I dare you do this. Search online the 20 most notorious murders in American history, and you will find no, murders. Uh, um, there's a better word than that, but murders will get you there. And you will find story after story of, after story of either broken homes or dysfunctional homes. These these people do not come from strong, stable homes. Listen, if we had stood firm just a decade or two ago against divorce, I'm not saying make look, I'm not saying make it illegal. We don't deal in legalities. We deal in something deeper than legality. We deal in the belief system of humanity. I'm not talking about marching on Washington against divorce. I'm talking about having the courage to stand up and to teach our young people, hey, do not marry someone that you have prayed about uh, unless you've prayed about it, unless you have sought the Lord about it, unless you are committed to spend the rest of your life with this person. Because we don't have the courage to do that, now we're fighting the gay marriage battle. We, we wouldn't be here if we had stood firm against living together and against divorce. Sin abounds. Lying, 
hatred, murder, partying, rioting, fornication, unnatural desires. Now we're standing by and letting a hateful, murdering, terrorist religion take control of our country. If you got an email from me yesterday, or from the, from the church, take 30 minutes and follow that link and watch. Give that video your undivided attention. If you, if you didn't get that link, I'm going I'm to embed it on our website so you can, you can watch it for yourself. A woman, a Christian lady, tremendous patriotic Christian lady, gives her testimony and just lays out in simple facts the plan of Islam to take over America. And the whole plan was laid out in 1991. And now in hindsight, you can see, oh yeah, that's what they've done. And here we stand by like a bunch of foolish puppets. No, it's, it's just, it's a, it's, it's a, it's a, um, it's a very, it's, it's just a nice, honest, most, it's a nice, honest, sincere religion. It's not. And I want to tell you, and this is not against individuals. I love individuals. I don't care who, I love everybody. If I, if I could come face-to-face with the South Carolina shooter, I'd give him the gospel, and I'd pray that he'd get saved. But by the way, I still want the law to take its course. Say, well, Jesus said, uh, he is without sin, let him cast the first stone. But don't forget, Jesus was not an elected official. Jesus' job was not to enforce the law. Jesus' job was a preacher of grace. That's my job, and my job, if I could meet with... By the way, I'm not sure it would do much good because he sat in a Bible study for an hour. you got to have a lot of Satan in you to hear the Bible taught for an hour and stand up and blow innocent people into eternity. But if I had the chance to meet with the dude, I'd share with him the gospel and pray that he got saved because I don't want it. I, I, I pray that somehow by the grace of God, Osama bin Laden is not in hell. I really doubt that, that's the, that he's not. I want everybody to go to heaven because everybody goes to hell because they've been deceived by Satan. Satan is the punk. Satan is the culprit. I don't want anybody going to hell. So this is not about individuals. It's about an evil religion. And these folks that, that go on the news and, and they're, they're, they're nice people because I want to believe in their sincerity if they are not accomplices in terrorism, if they're not intentional accomplices, they are at the very best puppets being used. I beg you, I beg you, I beg you to listen, to, to watch that video. Sin abounds. Hey, Pastor, you're, you're bringing me down. I, we, need to, we need to be brought down before we can come to the place of victory. We, we, we cannot ignore reality, folks. 
sin abounds. But here's the great truth that you don't want to miss today. Since we are living in a day of abundant sin, we are therefore also living in a day of superabundant grace. Where sin abounds, grace does much more abound. This day of great fear is also a day of great opportunity. Sin abounds and brings death, but God's superabundant grace makes it possible for you to have life every single day. You don't have to live in fear under the bed. You need to be informed. You need to know what's going on. And then you need to live in the life that God offers. John 1, 4, in him was life and the life was the light of men. John 14, 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. John 10, 10, I am come that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. In the middle of this horrible climate of death, live every day in God's refuge of life. Sin abounds and brings defeat. But God's superabundant grace makes it possible for you to live in victory. John 16, in the world ye shall have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. Amen. 1 John 5, 4, for whatsoever is born of God overcometh the world. And this is the victory that overcometh the world, even our faith. Pay attention to the news. Stay informed. But don't let the bad news drag you into defeat. Let God's grace keep you in victory every day. Amen. While you fight the evil. Sin abounds and brings danger. But God's superabundant grace gives you protection. Proverbs 18.10, the name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous runneth into it and is safe. The safest place to be is in the middle of God's will, cradled by the grace of God. Hey, don't, don't you dare let what happened in South Carolina cause you to say, well, see, I, see, that's why I don't go to church on Wednesday night. Oh, yeah, sure, that's, that's it, right? But here's what I do fear. I do fear that there'll be Christians who are tempted to look upon an unexpected visitor. Listen, a church that preaches the grace of God ought to be cautious, but we cannot screen the visitors. Sin abounds and brings poverty, but God's superabundant grace gives you provision. Philippians 4.19, but my God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. No matter how bad the economy gets, God always provides for his people. In the middle of a devastating famine, God took care of a, of a widow and her young son and made sure that she always had enough for one more meal. Sin abounds and brings despair, but God's superabundant grace gives your life purpose. 
Don't you say, oh man, it just sounds so uh, horrible. The end is near. What in the world do I have to live for? No. Philippians 3.14, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. 1 Corinthians 9.24, so run that you may obtain. Live your life watching for Christ's return. And watching doesn't mean sitting on the bench. Watching means running the race with more fervency than you ever have before. Sin abounds and brings rejection, but God's superabundant grace gives you opportunity. Revelation 3, 7 and 8. I am he that openeth and no man shutteth. He that uh, shutteth and no man openeth. Behold, I have set before thee an open door and no man can shut it. That's written to the church in Philadelphia. And for a long time, the question among believers has been, how can we be the church in Philadelphia? I'll tell you where a place to start and start living by that promise. I'm going to trust God to open the doors, and if he doesn't, I'm not going to try to force it open. When God closes the door, I'm going to be content with the, with the doors that God uh, uh, closes. But God has set before us open doors. While the rest of the world is stuck in the rat race, God's people should be walking through the doors of opportunity that God's grace opens for us. Amen. I'm going to close with this thought. As I was preparing this message... This thought blew me away. We've been talking about revival for the last couple of weeks. And it's so easy to despair and say, I just don't, I don't think a spiritual awakening can happen in our country. But don't forget where sin abounds, grace much more abounds. That means, hey, do you think that the sin today is more abundant than it was in the days of the great awakening? I do. That means the grace is more abundant too. I can go through all the revivals that we talk about here. If there's more sin than there was then, there's more grace than there was then. All of the resources that we need to have a sweeping revival we have access to all of them. They're all available to us. I am not content. I'm not content to crawl into eternity undercover. Say, whoo, we made it. If there are resources for revival... Hey, would you pray this? And I, I believe that those folks in South Carolina, in the church, I believe they were Christian folks. I said it already. Marginal Christians don't go to church on Wednesday night. Those were, those were dedicated Christians. By the way, didn't it encourage you, the, 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 the sort of the, the silver lining to this horrible story, didn't it encourage you that, whoa, there's Christian people going to church. There's, there, was, there was 12 folks there, 13 counting the shooter. Twelve folks there in, in, in a Bible study. Man, I mean, we have about 35 in, in, our, in our Wednesday night. Didn't it encourage you that there's folks going to Wednesday night church around the country? But would you pray this? I mean this. Would you pray this? Would you pray that God would use the sacrifice of those Christian people to spark a spiritual awakening yes. Oh, yes. 
I thought many times, I got to tell you, Kat, I thought many times as I would drive through the, through the Bronx by myself in, you know, neighborhoods where I just prayed I'd never have a flat tire. If Kat's with me, I'm good. But if I'm by myself, I get a little tense. And I prayed many times, Lord, If the loss of my life meant souls come to Christ in New York City, I yield to you whatever you want. I praise the Lord that he did not deem that necessary. Amen. But look look at the great miracles that have come out of martyrdom over the years would you pray that God takes the loss of those nine Christian lives to spark a revival in our nation to open people's eyes to see the contrast between a religion where people kill people versus a religion where people died because they allowed someone lovingly, they welcomed someone into their congregation. You don't ever know what stories, which true and which is not, but I, this, you know, you try to screen out which ones are real and which ones are just part of the frenzy. But I heard this and it seemed to be more than just rumor. He came in. And it sounded, it sounded like instead of like what we do where I'd be up here and you'd be out there, like it sounds like they were sitting around uh, together. And it sounds like at tables. That's the picture that's in my head. They weren't in the auditorium. They were down in the basement of the church. And he asked to sit next to the pastor. And he was, the pastor was identified and he came and he sat down next to the pastor. He was a, uh, white young man every person in that room was black and he had a hatred in his heart for african american people and i heard one report that said after he was arrested that he even stated after sitting there for an hour i was reconsidering but finally his evil prevailed and he went through with his plan Would you pray that the faith and the love of those godly people would spark revival in our nation? And and whether or not God uses that that way, you can decide to let it spark revival in your heart. God, let me be committed like those folks were committed. Let me love like they loved. They died showing the love of Christ. Father, I pray that you'd help us.